0: This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author chris lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include Mature Themes and Negative Cultural Values including classism and transphobia. The views of the characters do not reflect the views of the author. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is Episode 352. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk, I am Chris Lester, the creator of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, fresh off the writing desk. I'll also keep you informed on my writing endeavors. So let's get started with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 3 of Honor Reclaimed by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to episode 350 to hear this story from the beginning. As I mentioned last week, I've fallen behind on audio production lately, so I'm skipping the recap this week in order to catch up. Here is chapter three.
1: Honor Reclaimed. The House of Bellevue. Book Three by L.C. Williams. Narrated by Vivian Ferrari. Chapter 3. Welcome. Mallon Station was the easternmost stop on a train line that ran generally south to north through Metamore Valley. Seated in a narrow defile that ran half a mile northeast from the valley proper, Mallon had been an important base camp for mining expeditions into the western end of the barrier range. The nearby seams of silver, mithril, and copper had played out more than two centuries past, though, and the construction of the great refineries in Giant Down's province had spelled the end of local prospecting. Industry had given way to recreation— and Drowling and several other houses had taken advantage of the nearby railway to build ski chalets and hunting lodges in the harsh but beautiful wilderness. All of this had sounded exciting when Countess Harcourt and noble Yasmin had explained it to Honour. As she looked up at the pine-covered slopes around them and the snowy peaks beyond, she had to admit it was beautiful. But the pain of her fight with Natasha and the fear of exposure still hung like a veil over her eyes— making even the most breathtaking sights feel faded and gray. She tried to push those feelings to the back of her mind, to focus on her mission. The rest would still be waiting for her when she returned to Metamore. The train came to a stop at the platform, and Honor went to Lord Bellevue's side. Delphinia had rejoined Cousin Graham as well, and was making bright and happy noises that Honor did her best to ignore. The other lords and ladies gathered around them, chatting amongst themselves, some of them peering out the windows at the scenery. While they waited for the train doors to open, Father put his arm around Honor in a sideways hug. Feeling better? he asked. I saw you had a nap back there. Yes, it was refreshing, Honor said, not looking at him. Good, Father said. The chalet should be even more so. Life in the city is exciting, but it wears on the nerves, I find. The clean mountain air is a balm to the soul. I'm sure it will be lovely, Honor agreed. The train whistle blew, the doors opened, and they all filed out onto the platform. A chill wind rose and buffeted the crowd, and Honor raised her hood and drew her cloak tighter around herself. Looking around, she saw that the attendants were already lining up their luggage in neat rows near the station exit. Half a dozen of them struggled to move a set of three large steamer trunks with the house moraine seal on them, which clearly belonged to Delphinia. Well, Graham said, looking around at the log-sided buildings of Malin Station. This is all charmingly rustic, isn't it? I think it's lovely, Delphinia said. Imagine how romantic it must be by firelight. You won't have to imagine much longer, my dear, Graham said, taking her hand and kissing it. They left the platform and went to the street outside, a simple gravel road lined with one- and two-story buildings. A line of open-topped carts waited at the curb, each one pulled by a pair of draft horses. The footmen and drivers all wore the livery of house-drowling, Somber garments of black and gray. The heraldic symbol of the house, a narrow-eyed phantom wrapped in a tattered shroud, was embroidered on each man's left breast in cloth of silver. The look of it sent a chill down Honor's spine, as she supposed it was meant to. House-drowling has a sinister reputation, Alex had said, and Honor could tell that was by design. One of the men... A tall and skinny fellow with a solid black beard stepped forward and bowed to them all. Lords and ladies, he said gravely, speaking loud enough for the whole assembled throng to hear. Roland Vance at your service. On behalf of my master and all of house-drowling, I bid you welcome to Merlin. Honor frowned, puzzled at the man's introduction. Lords and ladies, but... Not noble androgynes? She looked around, studying the faces and clothes of the people around her. She saw no masculine faces without beards, and no feminine forms wearing kilts or trousers. More than a dozen members of the Council of Peers and their families were present, yet not a single androgyne was among them? That was odd, to say the least. Father was at the front of the crowd. He nodded to Vance and answered for them all. Thank you, good man. I was told there would be a sleigh of some sort. He glanced doubtfully at the road, which showed no traces of ice or snow. Yes, milord, Vance said. It is waiting for you at the trailhead. If any of you wish to walk, it is about a mile in that direction. He gestured off down the road to the left, where the road sloped visibly uphill toward the mountains. We will be happy to see to your luggage. Otherwise, you are welcome to ride aboard the carts with us. Graham scoffed loudly. (laughs) Only the finest accommodations for the peers of Metamore, I see. Vance took off his hat and held it over his heart in a gesture of humility. I do apologize, Lord Graham, but it is rather late in the season and the roads have falled. I promise that the master's sleigh will be much more to your liking. I should hope so, Graham sniffed. It's quite all right, Master Vance, Father assured him. I've lived on a farm my whole life. I promise you, this is not my first ride in the back of an open wagon. Very good, sir, Vance said. The drowling footman helped them up into the back of the first cart, which had long benches built into the walls on either side. The ladies sat together on one side with the men across from them, their skirts taking up most of the space in between. As they waited for their luggage and the other passengers to be loaded into the carts, Honor heard a man's voice calling from across the street. Lord Graham! Honor turned and saw a clerk in shirt sleeves and waistcoat come running out of a building with a sign reading Post Telegram. He held a folded sheet of paper in one upraised hand. Graham rose from his seat, frowning, and went over to the end of the cart. Yes, ma'am, what is it? Telegram for you, sir, the man said, passing up the piece of paper. Graham grunted acknowledgment of this, took the paper, and idly tossed the man a quarter mark as a tip. He opened the paper with his back to Lord Bellevue, and Honor saw his eyes light up with sudden excitement. A hard, sharp-edged smile crept onto his face. Is everything all right, cousin? Father asked. Immediately, Graham mastered himself, taking on an expression of sober regret. He turned around and bowed his head to Lord Bellevue. I'm terribly sorry, my lord, but it appears I shall not be able to accompany you tonight, Graham said. I've just had an urgent summons from my superiors at Army Logistics, "'My presence is requested and required back in the city.' "'What?' Delphinia cried, sounding dismayed. "'Darling, you can't mean to leave me here all alone.' Graham turned back to Delphinia, taking her hand in his. "'I am afraid that duty calls, my dear. "'If it all goes well, I expect to rejoin you at the chalet tomorrow morning.' In the meantime, I trust that Lord Bellevue and cousin Anna will keep you in good company. He raised Delphinia's hand to his lips and kissed it, which made her coo and put her free hand over her chest. Several of the ladies around them made approving sounds at this display of chivalry. Oh, very well, Delphinia said, sounding regretful but charmed despite herself. But do hurry back, won't you? I shall make every effort to do so, he promised. Honor, for her part, was still wondering about that sudden flash of emotion she'd seen cross his face. How very curious, she said, trying to sound less suspicious than she felt. What sort of business requires the urgent attention of an army logistics officer? And not a particularly good one, she added silently. Graham showed her a condescending smile. I'm afraid the answer to that is classified, dear cousin. State secrets, you know. But don't worry your pretty little head about it. I have the matter well in hand. This was more open scorn than Graham had shown her in recent memory, and Honor found herself bristling with anger. Half a dozen barbed replies came to her mind, but she bit them back and showed him a bland, inoffensive smile. Graham had already dismissed her from his attention, though, turning to face Lord Bellevue once more. By your leave, my lord, he asked. Father's expression was distant and troubled. He clearly had the same question honour did. After a moment, though, he visibly gathered himself and focused on his scion. Very well, Lord Graham, he said, Safe travels to you. And to you, sir. Graham made one more bow, then exited the cart and headed back toward the station. The train was preparing to depart, but he would still have time to buy his ticket and board before it left. She thought she saw a new spring in his step, a vigor in his movements that was very much out of character for him. Whatever was in that telegram he had received, Cousin Graham apparently thought it was especially good news. The last of the trunks was loaded aboard, and without fanfare the carts began rolling up the street. The wind continued to blow, sharp gusts that bit at Honor's cheeks and made her nose and ears tingle and ache. As Vance had promised, though, it was not a long ride to the trailhead. Less than a mile north of the station, the gravel gave way to ice and hard-packed snow. Ahead of them, parked in a broad circular apron at the end of the road, stood House Drowling's carriage sleigh. It was a beast of a machine, ten feet high and more than twice as long, mounted on four sets of heavy steel skis. Four rows of padded benches sat behind the driver, all enclosed by a canvas top and side curtains to shut out the wind. A three-tiered luggage rack behind the passenger cabin provided plenty of space for everything they had brought with them, even Delphinia's oversized trunks. A team of six powerful-looking draft horses stood at the front of the sleigh, each of them wearing a set of wood and iron snowshoes attached to their hooves. Honor climbed aboard with the aid of Drowling's footman, and was surprised to find it pleasantly warm inside. Heat radiated from a large stone mounted to the canopy, its surface etched with runes that glowed a fiery orange-red. Oh, this is much more to my liking, Delphinia said as she climbed into the back seat next to Honor. Honor shot her an annoyed look. You know, Delphinia, she said under her breath, there is more than enough room for us to spread out if you wish. Delphinia smiled sweetly at her and took her hand. Oh, but I could not bear to be separated from my dear roommate, she cried. Honor rolled her eyes and said nothing to this. Delphinia leaned in close and whispered into her ear. This is a brilliant stroke of luck. With Lord Graham out of the way, we can spend much more time gathering intelligence without drawing suspicion. Honor thought back to Graham's face and that triumphant look when he read his message. Remembering that expression sent a fresh wave of cold through her, the heating stone notwithstanding. I hope you are right, she murmured. When everyone was aboard, the sleigh ground slowly into motion, The bells on the reins jingling, the snow making an eerie whispering grinding sound as it crushed beneath the skis. At the front of the carriage, a small crystalline globe floated free of its cradle and rose above the heads of the passengers. There it began to spin and glow, humming softly, and over the course of a few seconds the canopy shimmered and became transparent. The nobles ooed and awed as the majestic scenery spread out before them jagged towering peaks, snowy valleys covered with fir, spruce, and pine, and the boundless blue sky of the clear alpine air. An eagle soared past, barely fifty feet above them, and the image did not flicker in the slightest. Honor could not help but be impressed. The Drowlings had crafted a perfect illusion smell, updated in real time, to give their passengers an unrestricted view without being troubled by the cold. Drowling's horses kept a slow and steady pace as they wound up the trail into the mountains. The afternoon gave way to evening, and they witnessed a brilliant sunset that painted the snow in shades of pink, purple, and orange. Just before the last of the twilight faded, the moon rose above the mountains, waning gibbous, and painted the world in hues of blue and silver. The hard-packed snow of the trail gleamed brightly in the moonlight, and the driver continued his steady pace, "'the path clear before them once more. "'It was approaching ten o'clock "'when the carriage crested one final saddle, "'and chalet drowling stretched out below them. "'Dozens of dark buildings stood nestled "'among the trees of a small valley, "'their roofs white with snow, "'their windows gleaming yellow with mage lights. "'Thin plumes of smoke rose from a dozen chimneys, "'promising a warm and cozy reception.' A line of enchanted globes stood atop cast-iron poles on each side of the trail, ten yards apart, lighting the way down the mountainside and into the village below. As the sleigh came over the saddle and began making its way down this path, a streak of silver-white fire shot into the air from somewhere in the woods below. It exploded high above them in a burst of light and a sound like meat sizzling on a hot griddle. And then the phantom of house-drowling appeared— drawn by an unseen hand across the night sky. Below it came a message, in letters at least fifty feet high. Welcome, friends. Honor heard men and women around her speaking to one another in hushed voices. A palpable sense of awe hung in the air. The people of Metamore were no strangers to magic, of course. It touched their lives every day, in ways both great and small. But in these modern times, with science and technology ascendant, magic usually played a supporting role, subtle enchantments to bridge the gaps that mortal engineering and ingenuity could not cross. It was rare to see magic deployed as pure spectacle, magic for the sake of magic. House Drowling was showing off, and reminding their visitors of their profound mastery of the arcane arts. Lord Drowling might only be a Viscount, but after a demonstration like this, even the Counts and Earls would show him deference and respect. The Conservatives are desperate, Countess Harcourt's voice echoed in her mind. This was a show of power and talent. The Chalet itself spoke to Drowling's tremendous wealth. Cousin Tyrell, the esteemed general of the First Great War, would invoke other appeals, to patriotism, tradition, and authority. They might have sold this retreat to the councillors as mere entertainment, a welcome diversion from their work in the capital, but Honor could already see the influence campaign taking shape around them. As she spared a glance at Delphinia and saw the mingled awe and dismay on her face, Honor knew that she could see it too. Well, Delphinia said, with what sounded like grudging respect, this should be interesting. Yes, Otter murmured, as the silver phantom slowly faded from view. Yes, quite.
0: And that's the end of Chapter 3. Come back next time, when Natasha and Alex meet the members of a veteran support group, as well as its mysterious benefactor. Chapters of The House of Bellevue will be released at a rate of one chapter per week for 51 weeks. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Marcus Zusak said, There would be punishment and pain, and there would be happiness, too. That was writing. So, let's see how my own journey is going this week. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the period of October 1st through October 21st. I didn't do any writing at all during this period, not even working on scripts for the podcast. I fell behind on my audio production as well there isn't a good reason for any of this. Depression has been hitting me hard, and to the extent that i found solace and pleasure during this period, it's been in other things, especially playing piano and catching up on some television shows that I'd been wanting to watch for a long time. I know that I need help pulling myself out of this funk, so I started seeing a new therapist this week. She agrees with me that the loss of drive to write is probably a symptom of depression, and that reconnecting with my creative side is a good goal for my therapy. I'm probably not going to talk a lot about this in future updates, but I wanted to let you know that it's happening. Hopefully you'll be able to see the fruits of this work in future writing reports. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show... Send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author chris lester, the fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamor City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out.